I'd like to share with you now a story of deep thanksgiving. It's our gospel reading this morning from the 17th chapter of St. Luke. Now, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Now, leprosy was highly contagious, and there was no cure. So, keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give thanks and praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way, for your faith has made you well. Word of God, word of life, thanks be to God. I'd like for you to repeat after me, if you will, the the words that, that were shared in the first reading, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. I love it. I have to admit to you that I was never very good with Shakespeare as a middle school or a high school student. I mean, really, was anybody? I mean, I guess there were a few, but I hate to admit that um, to Mrs. Blackwelder, but nevertheless, I do. But a quote from his play, Henry VI, has been in my prayers a lot this week. It is this, O Lord, that lends me life, lend me a heart replete with thankfulness. Now, that caused me to go and look up a little bit about this play this past week, which maybe I was asked to read as a high school student, but I guarantee you I did not. Henry was known to be an exceedingly good man, but a horrible king. He was loaded with strong Christian convictions, but in that day and age, war was all around him and constant pressure for him to make alliances with evil. His closest companion, his counselor, his friend, murdered in his sight, and his, and his wife increasingly frustrated by his lack of power and resolve. In a dramatic moment in the play, Henry falls to his knees in prayer, but he doesn't pray for power He doesn't pray for answers. He doesn't pray for a way out of this mess. He simply says this, O Lord, that lends me life, lend me a heart replete with thankfulness. Today I'd like to talk a a little bit about a thankful heart. The psalmist writes, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. In the classic story of, that we just read from the gospel of Jesus healing ten untouchable, unlovable lepers, the gospel of Luke tells of one who had to track down Jesus, uh, ran back to him, praised God in a loud voice, and threw himself at his feet and thanked him. It's precisely what St. Paul asks us to do, advises us by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. It's a week of thanksgiving. You know that, right? And, and we sure hope your week will go well. We know it's a very different year this year. This will be a very different holiday for a lot of folks. But nevertheless, we do pray that it will be a blessed one for all of, for all of us and that your hearts somehow will be filled with thanksgiving, that somehow you'll be able to muster up the courage and faithfulness to say, as St. Paul has advised us, yes, we will rejoice in the Lord always. Yes, we will rejoice. Beautiful words, 
right? But they're also remarkable, especially if you think of or if you reflect upon the context in which they were written. You see, Paul was writing to a brand new struggling church in Philippi. That was the city, Philippi, thus the name of the book from the Bible, the letter, the Philippians, the book, the letter to the Philippians. Important to know that Philippi was not a Garden of Eden by any stretch of the imagination. Paul had visited the church earlier to establish or visited the city to establish a church, but while he was there, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was chastised, and then the church that he founded loaded with folks who just didn't get along with each other. There was a lot of fighting, and they were suspicious of one another. I mean, if I was called to that church, I would have run away as quickly as I possibly could, but St. Paul refused to give up. Uh, trying his best to move them beyond their differences, and, and he did so by asking them to practice a spirit of thanksgiving, his advice to them, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Now, some might think his advice is rather simple-minded, but I think it's profound. In the fall of 1970, I was a preschooler at Kitty College in Gastonia, North Carolina. Don't you love that name? Kitty College. Spelled, by the way, K-K, so Kitty College with a K. I guess for years, I'm sure I had a hard time figuring out how to spell college, but nevertheless. The week before Thanksgiving, we cut out paper hats and long white collars and learned the story of the first Thanksgiving. My guess is you did the same when you were in preschool. That in 1620, 102 pilgrims had come to this continent to build a new world where they would be free to worship God, but life was not easy. In fact, during that very first year, 56 died due to starvation, disease, and the cold winter. One of their leaders had been caught in a trap and, and hung dead from a tree for several days until they, until they found him. The brutal conditions caused all kinds of infighting, all kinds of frustration, but they didn't give up. Nearly a year later, in the fall of, of 1621, only 46 survived. Only 46 of the 102 who had arrived a year earlier remained, but they were still so very thankful for this new experiment in freedom. So they joined 91 Wampanoag tribesmen, some folks who had become trading partners, but also had become friends. They joined together as one to give thanks for a bountiful harvest and for the preservation of their lives. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. But how? I mean, let's be honest. Some folks have a hard time rejoicing, especially after a year like like we've had. A lot of people just don't think they have a whole lot to rejoice about, especially if you faced any of the negative effects of this pandemic, as most of us have. Beyond that, some struggle. I mean, just basically, even apart from this past year and the challenges of this year, some folks struggle because, well, they learned early in life the spirit of complaining rather than rejoicing, of, of, of condemning rather than thanking. And if that's you, then you know what I'm talking about. Rejoicing at all times is, it just doesn't come easy, in part because rejoicing takes practice. Giving thanks takes practice. Michael Foss was a speaker at St. John's several years ago. He told the story of giving out green dots to his church members in Minnesota. His church is Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in, in Burnsville, Minnesota. He, he asked them to stick a, a green dot on the face of their watches, 
And he said this, every time you look at your watch to try to tell the time, he said, see that green dot and, and, and say a prayer of thanks for something or for someone in your life. Why? Because giving thanks takes practice. Maddie McNeil was a dear friend of ours in Berryville, Virginia, who died this past year, so have been thinking a lot about her. She was a singer-songwriter who played the hammer dulcimer beautifully. In fact, Rosemary, you remember she played with us the first year we were here in 2009. Maddie had a beautiful, a gentle spirit and eyes that just sparkled whenever uh, she opened the door and saw that you were there. She was single and lived in a remote cabin along the Shenandoah River right next to the, to the Holy Cross Abbey. It's a Trappist monastery right outside of, of Berryville. A lovely, peaceful place. I mean, really a lovely, peaceful life, but she admitted that, that she could also get rather lonely and sometimes slip into periods of depression, living in a remote place all along, all alone which is why she knew that she had to develop some disciplines along the way to keep her heart, to keep her mind focused on something beyond her depression. So every morning, she would sit next to a large picture window. She had created space in her home, and and almost like an altar space right next to a large picture window that in the springtime overlooked these beautiful azaleas and flowering dogwood trees, a beautiful location. Um, for her. She situated herself right next to that large picture window. She lit a candle, and she would say prayers of thanksgiving. She even wrote a song to the words, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, a song that she sang every single morning. Why? Because giving thanks takes practice. Great disciplines, to be sure. But there's an important part of these disciplines that should not be overlooked. You see, St. Paul does not say, rejoice in your blessings always. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. That's not to say that we shouldn't give thanks for our blessings. Of course we should. I mean, by all means. But what it also suggests is that every time you say thanks for something, every time you speak lovingly about a friend or a spouse, every time you receive a gift or, 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 or reflect upon a gift that has been shared with you or a gift that you have shared with someone else, every time you stand and wonder at the beauty of creation, take a moment likewise to remember the source of that blessing. Stop dead in your tracks and say a prayer of thanks to God. Why? Because we are to rejoice in the Lord, always again to rejoice. Or, as our dear friend Norman Sloop reminds us on many, many occasions, and at the end of almost every email, saying these words, soli deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. I don't have to tell you this because you know that to be true. We live right now in a world of deep challenges, right? Where there seems to be more griping than gratitude, Uh, more bashing than blessing, more apprehension than appreciation, which is why today we simply, in this Sunday that we call the Sunday of Thanksgiving, it's why today we simply wanted to create time and space for all of us to take a breath, to step back, and to say, thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness and mercy. Thank you for each new breath that we take and each new day that we enjoy. Thank you for our community, for our co-workers, for our friends. Thank you 
for the challenges that become opportunities, for periods that become commas, for dormant trees that soon will burst forth in spring. Oh, Lord, teach us to rejoice in you always with each new day to say, we rejoice. Now, some of you have heard me talk about Aunt, my Aunt Edie. Some of you have heard me talk about her quite often. <laughs> she died several years ago. She was so in love with her, um, with her husband, Elmore. You've got to love those names. Edie and Elmore, those are their names. They uh, had been married for over 60 years. Now, in their latter years of life, Edie developed dementia. She was slowly losing her memory. Elmore became for her her primary caregiver because she simply could not be left alone. She couldn't care for herself. She couldn't function uh, independently until one day, suddenly and unexpectedly, Elmore had a massive heart attack and died, and Edie was left alone. Well, on the day that he died, Edie was so very confused, as you can well imagine. Tearful one moment, happy the next, but clearly it was, it was beginning to sink in. Well, at the end of the day, she turned to her sister-in-law and her best friend, my Aunt Ruth, and asked, will you sleep with me? That was her routine at the end of the day, to crawl in bed with her husband, my Uncle Elmore. Well, Aunt Ruth's eyes have the brightest sparkle whenever she smiled, and sure enough, she smiled and said, of course I will. As I got ready for bed, Aunt Ruth was, was struck by the normalcy of the routine, Edie carefully preparing for bed, even humming a favorite tune as, as she got dressed. When they crawled under the covers, they lay there for a while, staring at the ceiling so very quiet until Edie reached for Ruth's hand, tenderly holding it, and in a whisper saying, Good night, Elmore. I love you. In all things and in all times, there is reason to rejoice. On October 19th, my Aunt Ruth turned 98 years old, which is young because both her parents, I think, died at like 104 or something like that. Sadly, a week before COVID shut down all of our nursing homes in March, she was moved into a memory care unit in Greensboro, ironically, just down the hall from where her sister-in-law, Maya Edie, had lived. Now, we never imagined that Aunt Ruth would have to navigate a new home and deteriorating memory without family members by her side. And sure enough, eight months later, we're still not permitted to visit. But every time her, her daughter, Linda, appears outside of her window, she sees her mom's oh-so-familiar smile, the sparkle in her eyes, and she remembers, yes, I will rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord always. I will rejoice. So perhaps that's what we are called to do now. Not perhaps, I know with great certainty that as we begin this week of Thanksgiving with those words on our lips, let's do just this. If you are at home right now listening um, at home, maybe you're next to someone with whom you can be socially present rather than socially distant. You know what I mean by that. Whoever that person might be in your midst right now, hold out your hands and join hands with them. If you're by yourself, then still hold out your hands and, and feel the grip of the Holy Spirit. 
Now give it a firm squeeze and say with me, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Amen.